Welcome to our podcast series, In My Head, where we break down the barriers and stigmas of mental health, chatting about lived experience, mental health-related issues affecting young people, and pathways to support and self-care. We are a group of young volunteers, part of the Headspace Orange Youth Reference Group, and with this series, we're hoping to challenge the way you think about mental health and the conversations you have about it. During this series, we will touch on topics surrounding mental health and well-being, and want to acknowledge the lived experience of our guests. If any of the content brought up in this series resonates with you and you feel you need extra support, please reach out to Lifeline, Kids Helpline and Headspace Online Services. We want to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on Wiradjuri country and extend that acknowledgement to the traditional lands that you're listening from. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We would like to thank the Department of Communities and Justice who helped fund this podcast through the Regional Youth Radio Program, as well as Headspace Orange and their lead agency, Marathon Health. Hi, everyone. Welcome to In My Head by Headspace Orange. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as I already would have explained in the intro, this podcast will feature us here in Orange's YRG, uh, Youth Reference Group, and will be about youth mental health in all sorts of various circumstances, as well as us talking with experts and professionals in various different fields about mental health in general. So for this episode, we here in the YRG will be talking about some of our lived experience with mental health. So allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Toby. I'll be your main host for the podcast. I'm 25. I was diagnosed with autism when I was little. I enjoy volunteering and social work. And I'm very big into video games, internet culture, pop culture, you know, all that, all that sort of jazz. And yeah, um, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm really excited. So yeah. Uh, Hi everyone, I'm Maddie. I'm 17, been a member of the YRG for a year now, which is very exciting. I have a passion for helping people, getting amongst the community and really just building relationships with people, learning about everyone and being able to help them as best as I can. And yeah. Hi, my name is Thomas. I'm a 15-year-old um, why I joined the Youth Reference Group is to be a voice um, for youth with physical and mental disabilities in the Orange local area. I go as a him or he, and that's pretty much it for me. So I would hand it over to Bo now. Hi, I'm Bo. I'm 19. The pronouns are they, him. Um... I've got borderline personality mixed in with autism, ADHD, and I joined uh, the youth reference group to help out with the groups and kids who may be dealing with similar issues to me. G'day, code nerds. My name's Jen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 25. I go by she, they. Um, I joined YRG about two years ago. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to help out with the community. There's no way you're 25. I'll be 26 this year. You're lying to oh, me. Yeah. No, 97. You look like you're like 21. Yeah. Good skincare. <laughs> <laughs> I need some skincare. I look older than you. No. Sunscreen. No. You're lying. <laughs> I'm just sick of getting doubled ID'd. 
I would love to look older and not have multiple people check my ID when I go to buy something. <laughs> I get complimented when I get ID'd. Hey, at least I'm a... I wish I was and I looked like Chris Hemsworth sometimes. <laughs> hey, compares, what was something like that? You just need a beard, long hair. Damn. <laughs> work. So, um, yeah, I've grown up in the community of Orange and I'd probably describe myself as that typical sporty country gal who um, is honestly a cliche, really. However, I try to push myself outside my comfort zones of sport and horses and cows to better understand different people and the variety of, yeah, cultures, sexualities, genders, all of those sorts of things because there's just so much to learn about. And I know I'm very grateful that I fit into societal expectations quite easily so that's why it's really important to me to be able to advocate for those groups who aren't so easily accepted because I understand how stigma can really hurt people. Personally I'm a school captain and I've always sort of, not always but throughout the past few years I've been a bit more of that popular sort of student at my school and Even I have so much stigma against me for being stuck up or, um, yeah, just homophobic and things like that. And I'm like, wow, have a chat to me, get to know me, and you'll find out that's very different. So, yeah, although I know life hasn't always been easy for me in primary school. I was a very round child, Uh, loved food more than anything else, and it was all good fun, except um, I ended up somehow magically losing a ton of weight and just growing taller in year nine and then all of a sudden I sort of realised that pretty privilege is like a real thing. Not that I'm calling myself pretty but definitely. You are. Thank you but I'm not. (laughs) (gasps) Compared to what I used to be I had a bit of a glow up and I think from understanding how different people really are treated based on those sorts of things that's also why it's really important to me to yeah, just help people out. Well, for me, um, mental health wasn't too serious when I was in high school and stuff like that. Like, I think people knew about it and all that sort of thing, but we didn't really talk about it. Like, we'd have seminars talking about cybersecurity and sexual harassment and all that sort of stuff, but not a lot of people, I think, understood it the way that a lot of kids nowadays seem to. Like, I was just thinking back to, like, my allergy, like, when I was younger and, like, trying to re- realise my own sexual orientation and, like, you know, like you'd have people going around calling you frigid lesbian or something like that because you wouldn't be interested in dating any of the boys, which yep. they weren't the most attractive people <laughs> in the world, so... Don't bite yeah. me there. Yeah. And then they'd be calling... And then, like, you'd be... You'd, and, like, then I'd be thinking about, you know, am I asexual or something like that? Because I didn't re- really realise the word. And, like, everyone around me would be laughing, calling me the 40-year-old virgin. And then that didn't help with my self-esteem. And, like, I was very shy and quiet growing up. You know, like the type of kid who could be like very loud and upbeat around their family, but then, you know, out in the real world, like they're just quiet, mousy, don't really say anything. And yeah, it's like, yeah, that was a bit difficult. And, you know, making friends, like you'd only be able to make friends if like the teachers made you sit with this group and it was clear that you were cramping their style. That kind of difficult. <laughs> but yeah, like I think, um, yeah, I'm really glad that society's like seems to be like moving up and like 
getting more accepting about other people's other people's struggles and things like that, which I think is really good. And yeah, I'm hoping more people are able to go out and get help now yeah. that services are more readily available and like there's more information about it. I think to add on to that, as a current high school student, uh, when you watch all of those American movies where there's the jocks and the cheerleaders and all those sorts of things, those groups don't really exist anymore. Like all the, mm. yeah, the popular kids are a mix of your SJs, sporty <laughs> kids, your gamers. Um, like, you know, some really popular kids, yeah, sure, they're great looking, I can admit that, but there's others that aren't. And it's like, yeah, it's really interesting that popularity, in my opinion, in nowadays is more about yeah just your relationships with people which I feel as though is definitely moving in the right direction if I sorry if I only knew that like (laughs) liking video games would eventually be popular like I'd probably be I'd just wait it out to be honest (laughs) yeah well um yeah I feel as though as a whole young people are moving towards the right direction of being more accepting of people however there are still those gaps even if you are more of a shy student or have some versatile opinions compared to the majority, you still can be judged. and um, So there's still a long way to go, but I think we're slowly getting yeah. there. Yeah. Do you have any memories? <laughs> <laughs> um, my experience in high school was really whack. That I was definitely one of the weird kids but I also had popular friends. So I wasn't, like, up there. But, like, more of the more popular kids were like, ew, what are you doing with that person? Why are you with them? They're supposed to be with us, you know? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I had, I had a pretty normal high school experience, apart from, like, shitty boyfriends dating the same guy for three years and then him turning out to be a whole butt face because I can't swear. Um <laughs> Most guys are. Yeah, that's true. My best relationship was with this girl I dated in year nine for two years. So I went from like a girlfriend immediately to this dude that I like fell so in love with. Um, I think the only thing I really struggled with was my mental health. It was very hard trying to get help for it in Orange because not a lot of places recognized the disorder that I have. They were very much, you're just the woman. Mm. It's just your hormones. I was supposed to be diagnosed with ADHD when I was five, but they went, you're just stubborn. Like, yeah, I'm going to be stubborn. You're making me do something I don't want to do. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of diagnoses nowadays were, like, based off of a, um, more like a very male. heteronormative male yeah. white idea of, like, what constitutes as normal. So, like, autism is a lot harder to diagnose and, like, say, women or, like, people who are born female, I suppose that's what you say. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of people don't always know how to um, properly, didn't know how to diagnose that properly. And yeah. as a result, there'd be, like, women who just be considered ADHD or, like, considered with a bunch of other disorders, even though it's, like, like that's a real disorder there, but it's, like, no, nah, it's all this other stuff. And it doesn't really provide the right resources that it, like, leads to, like, yeah. stuff like masking and all that stuff and just... Leads to lots of therapy in the future. <laughs> I do agree with that. And another comment to make as well is the fact that um, 
A lot of people are being aware of a variety of conditions these days. However, there's so many, I wouldn't say jokes and banter, but people who, if messy handwriting bothers them, they may make a comment of, oh, I have like OCD and their friends will and things like that. And I think from these terms being thrown around all the time or if someone is poor at spelling, they'll be like, oh, I'm dyslexic. So then because of that, what ends up happening is um, everyone just thinks that everything's a condition and don't really understand the real symptom. Dyslexia is reading. It's like something else that's writing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like it's I like think does dyspraxia, I think. Yeah, that. So I have OCD. It came free with the autism. It often does which is the worst part about it, I think. And people, like, when they say, like, oh, my floor's a bit messy, I'm so OCD about that, or, like, you know, the handwriting, I'm so OCD. It's like, no, (laughs) that's not – it can be part of OCD, but a massive part of OCD is having to do certain routines, having to do something, like, certain times over. Like, I have to wash my hands three times or my whole world is ending. Like, if there's not enough soap for me to do that third hand wash, I will go and actively look out more soap. Exactly. And when people just throw it around, like, I even remember in year seven, if this girl liked a guy and she'd walk past him in the hallway, but she wouldn't, like, he wouldn't smile back at her or notice her or something, she'd sort of be a little bit down about it and then she'd go on about how depressed she is and everything and I'd say oh like what were you like diagnosed have you seen anyone those sorts of questions in a very um sort of comforting way I suppose yeah but then I think that was um that was like a a look looking for attention in that situation like you say oh I have depressed and then people are like oh cool join the club and then other people around them like not give the right reaction so like they'll go to everyone else and be like oh I am depressed and they'll be like okay I'm depressed I'm okay and then Last person they go to, I'm depressed, and they're like, oh, you poor thing, are you okay? Can we do anything? It's like this, like, sometimes like seeking that type of validation from other people. Yeah, and the fact that... Yeah. Exactly. And when they throw it around all the time, then when it comes to a kid that genuinely may have depression or something along those lines, when a parent or something becomes aware of some of those symptoms or behaviours, they may just think, oh, most kids are like that. It's just... Yeah. It was really hard for my mom to like help me get diagnosed with borderline because so many kids in my year were just like generalizing both it and depression, and she's like, "It's fine. It's just teenager stuff." I think yeah, it's like the whole stigma of it, but also like it's it's also very hard to sort of explain to someone who's like doesn't quite get it because I know in my circumstances mm-hmm. in particular. I was very bad, well, first of all, like, I was very bad at even talking to begin with because with, like, very young autism, you can sort of say concepts or nouns or things, but you can't properly express yourself, hence the need for, you know, like, occupational therapy. And then afterwards, even then, I was not very good at explaining why it was really upset or why I was having, like, a complete meltdown. And then it was only through just my parents having the patience of Job that they could actually, like able to navigate through all that and then help me help educate me and others to like be more aware of like oh so this is the circumstances of what it's like and here's how you manage and here's how you just basically live I guess like just how to be a productive person and even now you know it's still I guess with both mental health stuff and like whatever particular affliction you have it's not like it just suddenly gets easy and then 
goes away essentially like you're always living it so it's just how you do that i suppose getting the right diagnosis for a disorder is a bit like um like discovering what this favorite flavor of ice cream is like it doesn't really change the flavor you just now know what it's called or mm. maybe like playing a game of chicken or something like that with with like whatever symptoms or whatever mental physical like pretty much anything what's classified as wrong yeah and i feel like education's really important particularly for parents and teachers i'd say the adults yeah. in children's lives because it's very easy to stereotype whether it be a mental illness or a neurological condition or if you're neurologically divergent, anything like that. I mean, I'm no psychologist. I'm that is the best way I've heard that said. <laughs> neurologically divergent. I love yeah. that. Well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and essentially from my understanding anyway is that Lots of people misinterpret, let's just use autism as an example, yeah. as being someone who's of a high need and things like that. And in some cases, sure, that's how it works, but in most it's not. And whilst medication or other resources could potentially contribute to that person's life and just make it a little more easier to match up with other kids, they're still very capable. So I feel like with that misconception, what a lot of adults in children's lives do from what I've seen is they'll look at their kid and they may think, oh, yeah, um, socially they don't understand sarcasm or something or other, but they go, hey, they still have friends, they're still going well at school, you know, it's not really that important, let's just not worry about it. Like, the thing is with, like, going with the autism-based stuff, that more so having, having that understanding in adults and young children possibly... Since I was diagnosed with autism at a very early age, that my parents told me when I was older, like what my symptoms were, like it was like I was grunting, I was like, uh, uh, uh. like in the future and all that. Like I'm obviously I'm not mature enough to like I'm mature enough, but like I'm not as mature as people think. Yeah, and with autism as. Yeah, you go, Toby. Yeah, well, it's, it's you're never sure, and you never really know what you can anticipate. So you just sort of, I don't know, you're always, I guess, on the defensive when you're just not sure. Like, uncertain circumstances are always really scary, especially with, like, school or having to accept an award or a job or whatever it might be. But, no, you were, you were saying, Thomas? But, like, with people with, like, with psychological disabilities like autism... ADHD, like possibly some people say that they're not capable or they're not good enough or they're not smart, strong or psychologically ready. But in my experience, like I'm a school, I was a school leader a few years back. I'm in the SRC at my school as well. Like it's for me before I went into Headspace that I believed all that thing all the things what people say about me not being good enough or me not being, let me just say, superior. Yeah. It's like there's lots of, like, preconceived notions, essentially, about people with autism or people with a disability. Yeah, it's just, mate, for me now, when I see back with those memories and all that, like, I was nearly 10 at the time, so I didn't know a lot of stuff. 
you're not psychologically hurting the child. You're doing it mentally to them as well. Mm. What makes... Well, I can't swear, but it just makes me extremely angry how people can be so stereotypical. Yeah, I guess the media doesn't help as well, like just portraying them as like this one mm-hmm. specific group and not really showing off the diversity of them. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Thank you for sharing that, Thomas. I get that would be a little bit challenging. That's no, okay. Um, but yeah, I feel as though... Being in a small town community, I say that we're orange. Our population is pretty big <laughs> compared to majority of places, which is a little bit upsetting. But, um, yeah, in terms of living in, like, a rural and remote area as well. Um, but another thing as well is even personally, I, um, I've never seen a psychologist before or a school counsellor or anything of sort just because I've been lucky to avoid needing one really um however I've had friends that do and even though they are more than accepting of um, mental health issues and struggles and things like that at the same time it's very confronting because to walk across the school to go see the counsellor or anything like that or even to walk into the doors of headspace and things like that um Everyone really knows everyone. And so when just one person sees you, even if they don't mean it in a harmful way, they could mention it to their partner and then their children and then their friends at school. And before you know it, everyone knows that you're seeing the counsellor, which there is nothing wrong with that at all, by the way. However, I get that it's really confronting and that's a big obstacle that stops people. Like This is like into my personal life. Like I'm not going to share personal life, my personal life too much. Like for me, that... I thought autism was a curse or something like that. From my perspective that, like, I started to think about committing suicide at a very young age. Um, like, after that, I... This is an ongoing crisis, what I'm still dealing with now. Like, I thought I was all alone. Nobody cared about me. I didn't have... No one loved me. No one cared if I was gone. Mm. So I had done that so many times that it was just... Like, yeah. that's a major key factor into into all the stuff with the thing. Like, I'm, I'm still... I still have a lot of mental and physical trauma from being bullied I'm a, because of my autism or my disability. Like, it's very... It's been nearly six years now since that... This started, like, I advise to, like, get a personal or a per- a group possibly talking about this problem of kids with disabilities who have autism, all kinds of behavioural disabilities to stand up for themselves. Like, it's a very tough thing in the world to do. Like, it's... Um, I will just, like, quickly jump in. Yeah. I hate the term behavioural disabilities. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. No, it's not your fault. No, it's, no. A, it's, like, a clinical term, and it's just... It's not a behavioural... Behavior. It feels like a bad word. Yeah. Like saying, oh, you're just a bad child because you've got, like, this autistic stuff, and therefore you're just naughty constantly. You're a yeah. bad person. Yeah, it's, naughty no, that was my experience a lot in school too as well. And by the way, Thomas, like, 
for sharing all that. Thank you so much. And I totally get it. Like, I understand completely. You just have this sort of sense of despair. But then I'd be very interested to hear, like, what was, like, your main sort of support network then? Like, what kept you going and what, like, inspired you to, like, to, like, talk about this kind of stuff and be an advocate for that kind of stuff? My support network was was my teachers primarily. I'm not going to shout them out, but thank you for helping me becoming the better person or the better man I am today. Like, I want to... This is, like, my ma- one of my major future goals, like, me becoming a dad. Like, to my, shield, to my children, like, this is kind of a future message to my children that if anyone bullies you, just stick up for yourself. It's not... Like, it can be hard. Like, you can get in trouble. I was typically in trouble by... I had someone in the face or something like that, but like it's talking about like my personal stuff as well. Like I was into self loathing, so that's self hatred or not loving yourself. Mm. I obviously learned that very quickly. It started to get better in 2019, then like a death in my family started to take place. So I was, I felt like I was by myself, like I was grieving myself yeah i think another common misconception as well is that um i had one of my closest friends last year he committed suicide and that was a little hurdle for myself to get over i still struggle with it sometimes however that was a real eye-opener for me because prior to that i sort of always heard that the people that would commit suicide or consider it would be the types of people who are homosexuals or who get bullied, um, financial struggles, things like that. However, my friend, he was honestly, um, he was the alpha everywhere he went. He was the funniest guy around, this big farmer guy. He was amazing at footy. Everyone loved him. So, yeah, when, like, everyone heard the news, it was the biggest shock, like, everyone could have possibly gotten However, yeah, I feel like because of those um, misunderstandings throughout the Orange community and probably other communities as well, is that no matter who you are, sometimes life is tough, you know? Like, I'm sure we've all sort of heard the analogy that everyone's in the same storm, but some are in yachts, some are in canoes, and some are just drowning. Yeah. Um. And we really shouldn't treat like our traumas as pissing competitions, like just yeah. to see who's um who's, who's got it, more. who's got it worse. Because in reality, you're, we're all just pissing in the wind if we're doing that. Exactly. I've lost so many friends to that. You'd be like, "Hey, this thing is really affecting me. Like, it's really upsetting." And they'd be like, "Well, actually, this has happened to me, and it's so much worse. Like, why would you shite?" Like on somebody else's mental health. And it when feels like they don't care about yes. you. Yes. Yeah. And like, that's how sui- This is like, like this is in all Australia. Like seventy four percent of male of sui- suicide rates in Australia are committed are committed by males under the age of thirty. Like that's a major, like a massive issue. What no one should go alone. Like. You have to have those those inter- institutes in re- in small and regional areas. Like it's it makes me annoyed how people are not 
talking about this enough. You know, my mental health um, class that I went to for that, that training, um, we looked at this graph of like suicides with men from the 1920s to about 2016. And the lowest that it's ever been was during the 1940s, 1946. And then like, and for women, it was like pretty low until about the 60s. Mm. Post like like nineteen forty six, so like yeah. literally right after World War Two, is just the sort of big sort of shift in like pers- both perception from outside people, but also a change in like I guess global inner perceptions of people. I think that's because like I don't know, there's like so much on everyone's plate at the moment that it's yeah. Like I, I haven't seen any statistics for the rates like recent years, especially with COVID, but I'd be interested to see them. You know, just like see what the difference they, is. It did spike in COVID because so many people were by themselves. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone's lives are just challenging in their own way, really. And um, yeah, I think just knowing that there are options out there, even though they may be hard to access for you, like personally, yeah. um, I have a very scientific father who he thinks he's scientific and logical, however, doesn't believe in much mental health stuff. And I'm like, well, do the research. Like, it's evident that it exists. My dad is very much the same. I remember when we came home with my diagnosis, he was like, no. It's fake. They're just out to get you money. Yeah. (laughs) You were so happy. Like, you were sitting on the couch laughing 20 minutes ago. You don't have it. Like, that was the same thing with my father because my father did actually suffer from depression for a long time. He raised me to be like a fighter, like no one no one cared for you, like you were pretty much fighting with yourself. Yeah. Like fighting yourself against the enemy, but the enemy's really yourself. Like you making yourself more vulnerable to uh, to assault, like to assaults and all that, like from others. It's, it's yeah. sad. And um, there's just so many things that impact your life. Like even, this is probably one of the worst examples I could have provided, but we're just going to run with it. Um, Personally, as a little job whilst I'm at school, I'm a checkout chick at the local IGA. And often we get elderly customers or um, young parents, things like that. And I love serving them because most of the time we get to have a chat about yeah. how their kids went in the athletics carnival or um, how the wedding go that they went to on the weekend, things like that. And I honestly love just being able to chat to everyone, get to know them, that sort of thing. However, um, vicarious trauma, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's basically secondhand trauma when like something happens and you're sort of exposed to it. It impacts your emotions as well. And from talking to such varied people, I remember asking some customers like, oh, good morning, how's your day going? As they load up their bread and milk onto the conveyor belt. And then they'll reply with something in regards to, my house flooded, my dog died and I lost my job. And then they get into the details and things like that. And um, I like... Obviously, there's part of me that goes, wow, I must be an approachable and relatable person and I really am grateful that they're able to have that trust in me to, you know, mention those things. But at the same time, when you're exposed to so many different customers in the same day and a lot of them share personal experiences that are quite challenging, um, 
after a long shift, I am quite honestly emotionally exhausted and depleted. You look like you really want to butt in here. But <laughs> I hate the stigmas around ticks. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Yeah. Because I had a friend group before the one I'm in now. Like, I had them both, but like... Mm. And we talked about the whole drama and one of them, like one of my old friends went, Bo, you have ticks, right? And I was like, yeah, pretty sure it's just the like ADHD. And they went, no, you don't. I was like... what What do you feel like the stigmas on ticks are then that a lot of times they're like what is it called when you like transfer disease yeah that they're Contagious. contagious and that it's like really bad to have around kids that you will end up hurting either an animal or a kid and it's like no, I just punched. Th- if the kid's in the way of my fist, then that's the kid's fault. But Don't like, stand in front of me. But with the topic of Tourette's, I could say it's a thing what is constantly so stereotyped. Like it's it's not funny. Like how how like I think it's stupid. Like how some some parents think like oh Tourette's Tourette's is a bad thing. But they're really not. Like, yeah. one of my friends who go to school with me has Tourette's. Knew, knew her for nearly, for, since preschool. One of the kindest people you can ever meet. Mm. I could say, I could say, thing what I'm constantly angry about with people all around up, like, they're getting stereotyped because they classified as not normal or different. Yeah, it's like... And it's like stereotypes for... I kind of hate the show. Apparently, it's a decent enough show, but I hate the show The Good Doctor because the dude is, like, so... He's so elusive and smart. Well, like, it's like... It's both elusive and hidden depth and smart, but also, like, very... Uh, that very sort of put upon-ish sort of voice. And, like, yes, some people are like that. And, like, there's the, there's the now-defunct terms of, like, low-functioning and high-functioning, which... I always did have a bit of a problem with, but yeah, like stereotyping, even though that there's a degree of truth to some of it, it just tends to get like really out of hand. I'm not going to like say the place's name, but while I was working there, I told the boss that we were most likely going to go get me assessed for autism. But then I was like really nervous about it because it's a massive step, especially when you're like already like 19. And she goes... Well, you're pretty high functioning compared to my son, so you're going to be fine. I honestly can <laughs> never tell the difference between what makes someone like. I couldn't. I honestly never figured out like what how that made sense. Like, yeah, what's the difference between high functioning and like low talk, functioning? Talking about disabilities as a whole, like, and this is like a massive thing as well. What I recently discovered that like there was a male like these were one my friends, other friends had like. No left to right arm. In the new Hunger Games film. That's... Look at them. Like, that's amazing how... That's awesome. Like, that's amazing how someone can fight their demons. Like, it's so impressive. It's amazing. Yeah, I do agree. And back to the whole high-functioning sort of thing versus low-functioning. Personally, I'm doing, like, a thesis study on the brain and have been interested in the brain psychology for a long time. Obviously, no professional, though, so don't quote me. However... It'd be a really good um, one, though. 
Like, you Thank speak you. really well. You have a really, really nice the... voice. I think, Thank you, Bo. I think you're going to be one of the best. <laughs> I think you really are. Thanks, guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, of course there's differences in terms of um, the anatomy of the brain and chemicals based on each individual, which makes some of their performance slightly different and things like that. However, from a societal perspective, I feel as though judging someone based on their capacity with a disability or condition is just as harmful as really like judging someone based on their academic level because whether you have a condition or not, some people are smarter than others, some people are stronger than others. It just depends on how they're being raised and what they've grown up doing really. And even then their intelligence can vary. Like you can seem like a very smart person like in the classroom, but outside of the classroom like you can be very like... No, no, I'm not, I don't want to say ditzy because, like, some people can be, like, have that because of their own um, disabilities. Like, they can be, yeah. like, very easily persuaded into doing things. Like, they can get taken advantage of by, like, having their money stolen from them or something like that. And it's, like, these things of, oh, but they're my friends. They like me. That, so if I do this for them, they like me back. But, yeah, I think there are, like, different versions of intelligence. And, like, this might seem like, fair to, like, a lot of people, especially getting into university, how, like, you have to be like at this level of intelligence to make it in. It's like, yeah, it's like different levels of intelligence. And it's like yes, I'm so nervous that I'm not going to be able to get into my teaching course because I am so dumb. Have you got? You oh, if it helps, if it helps. Um, my CTAR was like forty four point four, and if you want to get into psychology, you have to get an ATAR of ninety. So I just did a year of um tertiary studies. Boom, straight into. I haven't done my ATAR. Yeah. I dropped out in year eleven. <laughs> oh, just just do the um. Whatever that equivalent is, like TAFE, and then yeah, yeah be I've better. been thinking about that. It's okay. I've been saying that my RAADS test is my intelligence level, so I've been telling people that it's two seventeen, <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I'll be like, yeah, it's like two seventeen. Like my IQ is really good, and they'll be like, <laughs> no. It's like, Personally, yeah. it's like, um, yeah, there are so many different levels of intelligence and different ways to sort of contest that I suppose like if you got me to sit down and do a maths exams um I haven't done maths as a senior student because I struggled with it so much I could not tell you what thirds are how to figure out the size of a circle anything like that were you guys like forced to do maths um the year after mine is forced to do maths I was the last one I'm so lucky I know oh good when I was in year 11 um because because when he wanted to do because like I went to the university at Charleston and like they had like this booklet of like subjects recommended for each some um, subject you wanted to study. So I wanted to do psychology and they recommended that you do mathematics, not maths, but mathematics. Mm-hmm. So I did mathematics and I wasn't too great. Like I was definitely kind of bad. And on the report cards there was like rankings. So like I was 85th out of 85. So like that was like, that was just a great blow to your confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you know like – the minus 100 or something like that, that's a good thing. Like, you try. Yeah. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I mean as well. Like, personally, I mean, I've never failed any subject before at school, but that's just because I'm a sweat and I spend my entire life studying. But um, the point I'm making is that I really struggle with maths. However, I'd say my people skills are semi-decent. and Semi. Yeah, <laughs> as well as, like, a few other little skills I try my hardest to work on, which I feel as though can contribute to you know, getting a degree in psychology or... Yeah. I'm, like, trying to look at everyone evenly, but the mic is directly in front of Maddie. I have a perfect view of you, and 
I get, I struggle to turn to the side. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's well, really I think I think after all that, like, oh geez, like, where's the time gone? So, so I guess. What does everyone do for, like, self-care? Because given everything we've talked about now, just, like, be it just trivial stuff or school stuff or even, like, the deepest, darkest stuff, you know, when you're at your own, like, what is, like, some of the things that you do to, like, keep you uplifted and just, or just, like, keep you, like, in that sort of just decent enough mindset? Because for me, it's looking at like dumb stuff online like just i love dumb memes and i like my big big hobbies like video games and like tv shows so it's just i like immersing myself in those kinds of worlds but yeah what's everyone else's thing for self-care um i like to crochet i bake i cross stitch i like to garden um i like walking my dogs and training my dogs and yeah that's about it i like cleaning and crocheting Mm. like Cleaning, yeah. Come and clean my house. <laughs> I what are you doing? clean my room like really aggressively, and then my cat knocks it all over, and I do it again. My friends call it minute cleaning because of like how like quick and efficient it is. Um, Please <laughs> do my room. <laughs> I reckon it'd be a lot better than mine. I have what's like to be called an autistic nest. We have like little items everywhere that we just like we use all the time. It's. <laughs> it's i love it my floor is covered in wool like i recently had to like cut open like a massive ball of it because it was just like a ton of different wool together it (laughs) it was nuts yeah i was um there's this youtuber that i like her name's of herbs and altars she's like this goth um she's like little oh sorry he's like this autistic trans goth he's like 37 so he was like one of the original like goths from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. He also talks a lot about like his, um, uh, what's it called, drug taking and um, anorexia and stuff like that. And one of the things he mentioned was um, videos that he did was like this cleaning up of his trash world. Yeah. And he had like yarn everywhere. And it was like <laughs> piles upon piles to the point where like he'd find dead rats. Ooh, like that yeah. kind of that kind of trash. Yeah, mine was almost that bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. Personally, in terms of self-care, there's three main things I do, um, which are probably a little bit out there. I really like doing martial arts because you just get Mm. to... I mean, we do muknyum a lot, which is a Korean term meaning like a breathing meditation, which is where you basically kneel down and you stay in a kneeling position until the only thing on your mind is actually breathing because it's meant to remind you that in high-stress situations or in fighting or anything like that, as long as you're able to breathe, you're safe, you're fine, yeah. feel good, like, you know, love life. Um, so it's really cultural. And then physically, it's just you get to release all your endorphins, remain physical, all that good stuff, be part of a community. I honestly would highly recommend giving martial arts a go. I do karate. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty fun. Yeah. I used to do mixed martial arts with my sister, but then they went into, like, cage season, and I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's fair. I really ought to like get into like like going to the gym or something because I know exercise feels so good and it like helps you feel better. It's just I'm just so lazy. I'm so lazy. <laughs> well, just start with something simple like um, running on the treadmills for like a couple of minutes and then like move on to the weights. Personally, like I like I like if you've ever seen Terminator, you're like I wish I had Sarah Connor arms. Like, that's my inspiration for the gym. <laughs> In my self care, like I like to talk to people. And being more open 
be more open to other people, like meeting new people, making friendships. Mm. Hopefully sometime in the future I like, can bloom into a fresh relationship yeah. that, like in the future. Mm. Um, my two other ones is I'm a boxing. Mm. Boxing like those fighting styles like martial arts, what Maddie loves. Like how like I like doing fighting and all that. Like I not a boxing champion, I wish I was. I may say one of the better boxers at my school. My other thing is mindfulness, particularly. Mm. Like mindfulness is a major key factor in mental health now. I could say like my school does it a lot, like to calm down after like a busy session. Mm. Like at my school, like we do like like English, maths, history, like my stage, like I do international studies and all that. Like I'm Okay, okay. Uh. Yeah, I think that's really good. Like, um, I think like that's what all schools and own should do. Like having like that's a app called Smiling Mind should be recommended. By the way, like it's one of the best apps you ever done. Yeah, and I think if any of you listeners to this podcast, if you've made it this far, is um, if you're struggling to come up with self-care and you're like oh I've tried painting but I don't enjoy it I tried going to the gym but it's just not my thing um just keep trying and it doesn't have to be anything too you know mainstream one of my favorite things to do actually is to wake up at um quite early in the morning so I'm by myself it's still a bit dark outside you get to watch the sunrise and I love walking either on the oval next door or going out to the lake and walking around but barefoot and feeling differences between, yeah. like, rocks and sand and mud. And sure, your feet get grubby, but I just, um, yeah, love the different sort of sensory of that and being able to have me time in that environment. Like, isn't there a th- – it's, like, called earthing, isn't it, where you take off – like, you have your feet actually touch, like, the grass, and it's, like, it's genuinely, like, beneficial for your mental health. Yeah, I think um, Goop tried to – like promote that or something by like sewing up these plots of land for uh, yeah. of grass. Well, it's just like, you know, actually, I mean, you know, there's obviously the term touch grass, but like, you know, it's every now and then it's just go outside. Or another thing that I like doing is just like having the lights off and then just li- putting on my headphones and just listening to music. Yeah, um, like if I'm in a situation where like I'm feeling a bit stressed out, like I'll just like take 10 deep breaths, count to 10. And I also have, I also keep a um, jar of like roll on Essential oils, you know, just yes. put it on, put on, yes. put it on your wrist, take a, take a whiff, and yeah, that just helps to calm you Me down. Me and my best friend's mum, so I lived with them for like two weeks, and during those two weeks, she got like a massive box of doTERRA, and we were just messing around, and we both put it on our top lip, and we sat there for a second, and she goes, is your top lip like really tingly? And I went, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little freak out together. That is so good. Um... Yeah, also another thing. I don't know how you guys feel about star signs and astrology and that sort of thing. Personally, I'm very new to it. I love it. I love it. Well, I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not like totally believe it, but I don't not believe it either. There's evidence for both. Um, And so I think even just dedicating a little bit of your time to something like learning about star signs and things like that, if you fail to learn about it, it's not like it's going to impact your life. Yeah. But if you do, it's not like it's going to again really impact your life either so i think just dedicating time or even watching a show such as the bachelorette where you don't really have to focus too much and there's no Mm -hmm. way to fail at it it helps you feel good 
When I feel down, I like to watch Bluey. Yes. yes. Oh, my yes. God. Okay. So, Bluey is both, like, really good and really emotional for, like, both me and a lot of people because, we like, we realised that we didn't have those relationships as a kid. And you're like, why is this kid show making me cry like, some just by stu- being so cute and sweet? Some of the stuff where Bluey discusses, like, like they, they discuss about, like, about, like, some very big stuff like death or post-traumatic stress disorder in a very kid-friendly way and, like, kids can, like... They've like done that, that very... Very yes. well. Like, that, like, good on the ABC, by the way. Like, yeah, good on There's a rumoured trans kid in in Bluey and it makes me so happy. Which kid And it's that? just Mackenzie. Mackenzie, who's... The Is black it? and white one. Oh, the Border Collie. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it so much because we... Do, we do not get enough positive representation. And the, the slight possibility that we have that in a kid's show is part of my French, but effing amazing. Yeah, yeah like I yeah. think it's good when a show doesn't just teach you about like colours and numbers and stuff like that, but it also helps you with like your intrapersonal intelligence where it's like focusing on yourself. It's like there's interpersonal intelligence where it's like being able to pick up on everyone else's feelings, but it's like intrapersonal is more like yourself, like figuring out your own flaws, how to like take advantage of your bad habits and all that, and all that good stuff. Mm. And I think a show that like helps you to recognize that recognize that part of yourself and like realize that you're, you know, that like you're special just just the way you are is like a really good thing to do. Ah, oh, but yeah. So I think that's about it, really. So thank you all so much for sharing just everything. Thank you, listening, for putting up with all that. <laughs> and yeah, so stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed. And yeah, just take care of yourselves. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.